This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. and welcome to this week's edition of the Yarra Bosco Youth Group Radio Program on Community Radio 3CR. Thank you to Democracy Now! for the last era of current affairs. My name's Chris and Yarrabug Radio, we're a show about bicycles and related transport issues coming to you from Melbourne, Australia. On today's show, I'll be talking to Sarah M and I catch up about her role as Bicycle Mayor of Sydney. Subsequently, she's been on a... Uh, tour of Europe, going to some of the uh, larger cities of Europe and having a look at what we can learn in Australia, but also surprising similarities. So I might as well start uh, this interview off. We've got a nice cruisy start to the day. There's uh, lots of uh, Ella Fitzgerald, a bit of, uh, I think, Bobby Darren, and towards the end, uh, Ella again with Louis Armstrong as a musical accompaniment to Sarah's interview. Enjoy. Every time I look down on this timeless town, whether blue or gray be her skies Whether loud be her cheers Or whether soft be her tears More and more do I realize That I love Paris In the springtime What well, a nice, nice cue that is Today on Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio, I'm speaking to Sarah M, and we're going to be talking about Paris, Europe, Amsterdam. Oh, what else are we going to be speaking about, Sarah? I think a little bit about London as well. London. Is that Sarah Vaughan? No, it's Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, my God, I should be thrash sound like That's okay, that's all right, you know, it's... It's the winter, it's cold. But we're coming into spring. We are. So, last time we had you on the show... We were talking about your your recent um, role as the bicycle mayor of Sydney, and you've been on all sorts of adventures since then. Yes, I have. I have been away to Europe uh, in June to miss a little bit of the Australian winter, and also um, to basically take everybody on this journey with me who follows me here in Australia and beyond, because, you know, we all can't go to Europe. I'd love for all of us to be able to go and experience and change all these minds of everyone when it comes to how to, you know, get around on a bicycle. But I thought it would be a nice opportunity and also just to show everyone that this phenomena of bicycling for transport is actually global. It's not just a bunch of mad people in Sydney and Melbourne and a few in Brisbane and Perth just kind of getting around on bikes. It's actually this, it's a thing that's happening all over the world. And it's the next step 
basically for us as people living in cities to be happier, healthier, all of those positive things. Yeah, because from an Australian perspective and for the people who are, you know, quite urban, you go to an Australian city and your main way of getting around, if you're not staying in the inner suburbs, you see these great big freeways and tollways. And how does this kind of mesh in or how, how can it transmute to a more European experience that's kind of um, based around urban centres, your local town centre, say like Box Hill or Moorabbin or... So we get away from that inner-outer impasse or similar thing with Sydney with the inner West versus everybody else. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, so uh, your first uh, visit well, as, a, as, as reigning... Uh, Mayor of Sydney, which is opposite opposite to um, the uh, Lord Mayor of Sydney. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just about to yeah. say Clover Mayor's also a cycling mayor of Sydney. She That's is. why I was just she hung is. there for a moment because yeah. I was thinking. I could see that. No, I could see that. You know, because a lot of people have said to me, well, you know, isn't Clover Moore, isn't, isn't the Lord Mayor of Clover Moore the Bicycle Mayor of Sydney? And it's like, well, yes, she is the Lord Mayor of Sydney and she is an elected official, but I am, I am more a community oriented and non political role. Uh, I have this role which is basically to encourage more people to think about using the bicycle instead of, you know, a car or even public transport. So I think my role is much more in uh, in addition to what she's already started, you know, mm. ten, 10 years ago or so. So, so yeah, so you, what you encountered in Paris, yes. completely different to here. Yes, completely different and a surprise, which is why I wanted to talk about it and, and share the experience with everyone. So... So I arrived in Paris on the 2nd of June and uh, completely jet-lagged as per usual, 24 hours of travel, Sydney, Dubai, (laughs) Paris. And the next morning I needed to go and pick up a bicycle that, you know, I'd organized with a bicycle company and they basically said, okay, you need to go to the um, Arc de Triomphe, Avenue Foch, and pick up this bike because it's a a higher bike, but there you go. So I thought, oh, I take the Valib which is the bicycle share program that launched about 10 years ago. Big, heavy bikes, three gears, you know, your usual bike share. I was really surprised at how the Parisians treat people on bicycles. You know, the traffic there is pretty intense. There, That's a big city. What was really interesting is that people who, like drivers, they treated me with respect. They made space for me. They were aware of my presence. And they were very kind and patient. You know, there was none of this revving up and getting super close and then passing, you know, this kind of thing. And, you know, the the, the bus lanes, which are quite wide, um, are also allocated to bicyclists as well. What I'd done uh, as well is I'd asked the Lord Mayor Clovermore for an introduction to the mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo, who is doing amazing things in Paris now. Like she just, you know, she shut down um, the traffic going under the bridges, Les Berges, and all of that is now pedestrianized and bicycle friendly. And, you know, they've got parks there for kids and, you know, they've they've opened up the Paris-Plage. So you've got this kind of beachside thing happening on the, the banks of the River Seine. You know, more recently, the river has been cleaned up so people can actually go for a swim. I'm sure most Australians are cringing at that thought. You know, it's so dirty, but... Yeah, but uh, recently, this week's news, that there's stories come out about having the Yarra, a beach pool somewhere along the Yarra. Wow. You know, it's just, these things are possible. They are. But hearing what you're saying, it sounds like in France or in the city of Paris itself, there is political will, so therefore things flow. Correct. Hmm. Correct. And Hidalgo is 
like Clovermore, a visionary. She has a real view on where she wants the city to be in the next decade, and she's taking active measures to do that. You're listening to 3CR Radio. I went to London. I had been away from London for about 10 years. The last time I was in London, my, my daughter was not quite one. And we went with my husband for work. I was kind of constrained by where I could go and what I could do. But previously, I lived in London from 98 to 2002. And going back to London now was incredible. There's so much going on, and it's just a happier, brighter place with more people and more development. The amazing thing about all the social media is that actually you can create quite a great network for yourself. And so I met these people who said to me, He said to me, would you like some help getting around London? I'd be happy to show you. And I said, wow, I would love that. That would be great because I had never cycled in London before. I was too scared before when I lived there that the traffic was going the wrong way because I was an American who had come over from New York. I had no idea. And I I realized that I didn't quite know how to get to my friend's house as well in North London. So he he and his girlfriend actually came and picked me up from St. Pancras where I'd taken the train. It was interesting because... I couldn't quite keep up in the sense that I couldn't remember what the names of the streets were to go the quiet ways into central London. But it just was a bit mind-boggling to me how big London was in, in comparison to Sydney. We ended up in central London near Buckingham Palace. And what should happen? But we got cut off by drivers in their really, really expensive cars. I think it was like a Jaguar and whatever, really Bentley, whatever, and like young kids driving these cars. And uh, we got cut off. And I thought, how familiar. I can cycle here, no problem. This is like, just like being in Sydney, no big deal. London is like full of our brothers and sisters in that way. (laughs) That's where the attitude came uh, from a bit, didn't it? Yeah, Uh, yeah, amazing. It's it's kind of the basis of our road system is predicated mostly on theirs. Yes, um, Did you actually get to go on any of the bicycle superhighways? I did. I went on the embankment many times, which is a beautiful, beautiful way to get through London. I went on the one that goes on the eastern side of the city. And I also went on something called a quiet way, which goes from Waterloo to Greenwich. And that was a really interesting concept with, for me. I went with the Sustrans people who offered to take me for a ride. And basically what it is, it's, it's a quieter way to get from Waterloo to Greenwich. And what that means is that it's not separated. It's not like a, you know, it doesn't have the infrastructure to completely separate you from the roads. But what it does have is it has less traffic. And it has these nice um, signs that say quiet way one. And there's a Q1 and it's all, it's everywhere basically. And so what happens then is that you have this mass congregation of people who bicycle taking this route. And then the people who are in cars see that and go, oh, maybe I don't want to go this way. Or they drive really slowly or they just, they're not there, you know. And and it becomes a very well prescribed way for bicyclists to take to go a certain route. And there are plans for more of these quiet ways to happen soon. That was really fantastic to see. Um, cycling 
in London is kind of like cycling in Sydney. It's very dominated by men, mostly wearing athletic gear. And a friend of mine took me as well on a nice ride. It was like being in a scrum going along the Thames, going further west. He's, he was wearing Rafa and he was on his road bike and all that. And he, but he knows what I'm doing and he's a good guy. And he said to me, you know, just, just watch it happen, you know. And I said to him, as we were stopped at a light, it's, it's like a scrum, basically. It's just like all this aggression. Oh, I'm going to be first. You know, I'm going to be the one in front. I'm going to take off and this kind of thing. And oh. then you've got the cars routinely coming super close to you. And that, as my friend Simon said, that's normal. And the thing that's interesting about that is that you get used to that, actually. You get used to the cars, the drivers getting that close to you, and it becomes almost acceptable, which is an interesting way of dealing with, you know, traffic. And the, the drivers come up really, really close to you, like right behind. And so when that light turns green, you are off, right? Yeah. It's like the race is, you are <laughs> off. This sounds like St Kilda Road and no doubt somewhere in Sydney or Brisbane or Hobart or Adelaide yes. as well. It's the wacky races. <laughs> it's just, and it's like pure aggression. And I know what that's about. You know, I've, I've been I've been an investment banker and a trader in my previous, previous life. And I know what that's about. So it's nothing new. Basically, London has, central London has 2% modal share. And in a city of 10 million people, that's what that looks like. Interesting, right? And 2% modal share in Melbourne looks like something else, but because we have a smaller population here, right? So also really interesting, the whole relativities of scale. The thing I noticed as well as staying in North London is that there are these pockets of really, really bicycle-friendly people and infrastructure and this kind of thing, and then it just kind of disappears. And what's happening up there, kind of like Fitzroy North here and... I guess like Surrey Hills and Darlinghurst and Sydney is that you have these pockets of people who are really really inner west in in Sydney as well is this these pockets of people families who are interested in cargo bikes interested in a, a more sustainable way of living and you know carrying their kids around and that kind of stuff and then it skips like it'll skip a particular borough and then everybody's super car car dependent so I was staying with my girlfriend who is doing really well in banking now, and they have two cars. Wow. And they don't have any bikes at all. But the two neighboring boroughs where, you know, are, that are on either side, east and west of them, are full of people who cargo bike, you know, with their kids, to the parks, to Finsbury Park, everywhere, and to school. And it's kind of, I don't know, it's sort of, um, it's wacky how it just is so isolated. Generally then speaking as well is that these women who have kids and cargo bikes, they don't go into central London. They're just staying in their areas because they have everything they need. You know, they're going grocery shopping, they're taking the kids to the creche, they're, you know, dropping stuff off, picking things up, errands, that kind of stuff. I did commute into London every day and I found that I did see women dressed for their destination, but I did see more men. That the percentage was very skewed towards men as well. But I was happy to see that there were more women there than there were in Paris, for example. But it is interesting that the, the kind of the locality of how people use their bikes in London, because it's a big city, right? It's a huge city, mega city, and people will stay in areas. Hi, this is Mitchell from Cut Copy, and you're listening to 3CR. Please support Community Radio. Subscribe now. 
I was also introduced by the Lord Mayor um, of Sydney to the Lord Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, um, by, again, a, a very nice email that she sent. And he couldn't meet me. He's really busy, and there was a lot going on when I was there in June, as we all know. So um, he introduced me to um, a woman named Sarah Burr, who basically runs that bicycle part of Transport for London, and she was working for Boris Johnson as well. And... I met her and I wasn't quite sure what we were going to talk about. But in the end, what she ended up saying to me was she was really interested in my brand as Velo Apporté to understand what I was doing to try to engage the community because she agreed that the next step for them in terms of actually getting to, they're hoping to get up to again, like about 15% modal share, is that they need to get women and minorities on board. And how to do that is the million dollar question that everybody has fascinating discussion and she's a big advocate for e-bikes as well because she just bought one and she has like four kids and they live pretty far away north london again like north north london you know it was it was really encouraging to hear transport for london on board and understanding the value of of having you know i think their goal is like 80 percent of all journeys by 2041 not by car so public transport walking bicycles that kind of thing. The Independent and Peaceful Australia Network presents War, Peace and Independence, Keep Australia Out of US Wars. Amidst an escalating threat of another major war breaking out, this timely conference will be held in Melbourne from the 8th to the 10th of September. The conference will address the struggle against US bases, drone warfare, peace as union business, US political and military influence and much more. For details and bookings, head to ipan.org.au or go to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's Facebook page, a 3CR supporter. And indeed, you're listening to Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio on Community Radio 3CR. And go into the final a uh, couple of bits of interview I did with Sarah M, the bicycle mayor of Sydney. In this final uh, two parts, we're talking about Copenhagen and Amsterdam. Heaven. The reason why I went to Europe in the first place was actually I was a speaker at VeloCities in Nijmegen, which um, was one of the biggest bicycling conferences around for this year. And I thought, I can't just go there and just talk and then leave. You know, I need to build a whole trip around it. So I did. And um, I, I, my itinerary was basically Paris... Amsterdam, Nijmegen, where I spoke at VeloCities, um, London, Copenhagen, Lyon, back to France, and then departing from Paris again. And I kind of set it up that way because I wanted to see the contrast between cities that are emerging as cycle-friendly cities and cities where it's well-established. And that contrast was fantastic to see and to experience as well. I took the train to get from Amsterdam to to Nijmegen and you know I I had a suitcase which kept getting heavier and heavier because people kept giving me things <laughs> I had to like 
like th- like give food away and give things away. And I had to strap on this 20 kilo suitcase to the back of my bike and get to my Airbnb. And uh, what I found that I did is I went down the wrong way on a cycleway. Ooh. And there it's orange, right? It's a really lovely orange color in Nijmegen. And I just I just made a mistake. You know, I'm used to how things are in Australia. I was on the wrong side. And what happened was uh, everybody made space for me. They kind of they saw me coming and they just made space and nobody said anything. And I spoke to my Airbnb host and I said, "Oh, you know, I feel really dumb. Like I did this today." And she said, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine." She was a nice lady of around 60. And she bicycled herself, and um, she said, don't worry, no problems. You might only get old people shouting at you, and never mind. Okay, great. (laughs) Amazing to have cars, to have drivers yield. They would stop, let me pass, and then they would continue on their journey. Or they would stop and let a whole bunch of cyclists pass, and then they would continue on their journey. You know, those things were really remarkable. The thing that I was surprised at myself is that I have met many other Australians who have been overseas and cycled and come back, and they rave, like, oh my God, it was unbelievable. I couldn't, I was in heaven, and you know, this kind of thing. And and I was there. I was in Copenhagen, I was in Amsterdam, I was in Amman. Cycling is everywhere. And I was surprised at my own reaction, which was like, oh, this is really nice. And you come back to Australia and we have the Australian exceptionalism, which we are so militantly different that we just can't possibly change. Yes, yes. Which is rubbish. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> and so, I, but I was surprised at my own reaction, yeah. which was not so extreme. And I, I realised the reason why is because I just cycle everywhere in Sydney, like all the time, every day, doing everything. I take quiet ways to get to where I need to go. And so I have very little conflict. And so, I don't know, somehow I have created my own little independent way of going and it's fine you know it's it's every day but to see more people doing that was wonderful This is Ari Lecker, you're here on 3CR 855 AM Community Radio, also streaming on 3cr.org.au. Free West Papua, Papua Merdeka gets up one talks. little things that are actually huge that show just how well integrated the bicycle is into society there. And when I was in Copenhagen, I rode the cargo bike that I have in Sydney, which is a Nihola. I have a motor for it in Sydney because it's 32 kilos, plus I got my kids, plus I have myself. There's no way I'm going to get up any hills in Surrey Hills or like get out of Bondi or anything without a motor. Being in Copenhagen, everywhere was downhill. It was kind of a funny concept. Like there were very, very few hills. And, you know, they have these amazing, um, the Snake Bridge, which I've been on again, like at an elevation, but you just stand up. And and that that terrain was a surprise to me as well. I was riding a cargo bike, which I was really familiar with. No motor, 
obviously no kids either. It was really eye-opening just how terrain matters. Fortunately, now we have this um, bike concept, which, you know, and you can convert um, cargo bikes to the e-bike um, with an e-bike conver conversion, and then you can buy e-bikes. So so the, 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 the tyranny of terrain is really a falsity, I think. I think that we have technology to help us with these things. I saw a lot of kids, like little kids, on separated cycleways, on their balanced bikes, going with their parents. The parents also do things like get really close. I've tried to do this, it's hard. They get really close, and then they put their hand on the child, and they just kind of scoot them along. You're being a domestic <laughs> for your children. Yes, exactly. He's just shepherding them along. Mm. And I've tried to do that with my daughter in Sydney. I can't quite do it. I have to keep practicing that one. Yeah, it's a balanced thing. It is. But once you get it right, yes. you'll be fine. You've just yes. got to make sure you hold your line. You don't cross wheels. Correct. Crossing wheels, not so good. No, it's not, it's not a good thing. <laughs> no. The other thing was that I met with, uh, the again, the deputy mayor of transport in Copenhagen. And... We had this really interesting discussion about the politicization of cycling, of bicycling. And this is a global thing, which is horrible. You know, it's like the right goes, no, no bikes, no bikes. And the left usually is, yes, bikes. Why? Why is that the case? We all live in cities. We all want our cities to be more efficient. I, I wrote a blog about this actually a few weeks ago. Like, what is the efficient city, right? It's, it's a place where people can get around and things can get delivered easily. But you can't make money out of people if they're self-autonomous. This is like, you know, I mean, sorry to get into ideological things, but like it's removing agency but giving you freedom at the same time. Yes. Which is kind of bizarre from anyone's perspective. If I cannot turn you into a cash cow or therefore part of my revenue flow, you are a risk. And I think that's something that's at oh. the, the heart of a lot of problems we've got in Australia. Yes. It's too hard. I can't make money out of it. Um, they're seen as a rival industry. Mm -hmm. And a lot of rubbish stems out of, you know, and, and therefore you become like um, seen as too annoying. So I can't mm -hmm. even possibly entertain the thought of either shopping or taking the kids or anything. There's probably lots of other shows on 3CR which can discuss these things in great yes. context. But again, the ideological split to me is completely perverse. It is. It, and it's totally unnecessary because we're all in this together. You know, we're all trying to live our lives and have a high quality of living and enjoy our families and our friends and to get around easily, right? Mm. It's, an, it's an interesting concept that needs to change. You well, know? if we're going to live in even more hyper-dense cities, yes. uh, we've got to understand there's two, there's two kind of schools of argument that made humans great. It was either aggression or nurture or whatever way yes. you want to put it. Yes. And I think it's the ability for us to put up with each other within a metre of each other, which made humans great. Oh, I love to climb a mountain and to reach the highest So I came back on the 2nd of July from this wonderful trip overseas, alone, without any children or husband. My husband did a great job with the kids, by the way. And um, of course, then I got sick because just did too much and the flu season and all of that. And what's interesting is that because I've taken in all this information and, and been and ridden all these places, it's now made me think about how to implement some things in Sydney. So one way is by, I'm talking to my kids' local school to basically try to create some bike buses. And what that means is that 
we're going to get kids from different areas of the city to come together on bikes and ride into the city together. And I'm talking to the city of Sydney right now to basically try to organize this and also with the principal of the school to basically have some support. And the kids will ride on the footpath because they will be under 12, as is the law in New South Wales. And it will be, we're going to trial it next term. And basically what I hope to achieve by this is more independence for kids and also to give their parents a bit of breathing room because it's hard work taking your kids to school every day, really hard work. It takes time and parents have to get to work. So, you know, I'm hoping that we can we can put something together. My daughter will be, she'll leave the school in another 18 months. And I'd love for my son, who's going to be there for several more years, to leave this kind of as a legacy. Another thing that I'm trying to do then as well is I'm trying to engage the greater community. So a, a lovely group of, of Muslim women who cycle together in Sydney. And we had a conversation um, by Skype, just talking about what they're trying to do and would they be open to maybe trying e-bikes. I found a retailer that actually makes beautiful dresses, Uniqlo actually, that make these beautiful dresses, not very expensive, which are for Muslim women. And I've ridden in on my bike on these dresses and they look fantastic and they're really, really easy to ride in. And I want to try to see, you know, how we can partner with people like this in the community, people like this in, in the corporate world who basically have something which we can all benefit from, clothing, right? Just to dress for your destination. Um, people who don't usually cycle because that's how we're going to change things. You know, everybody who cycles already, that's great. Keep doing what you're doing. But we have to continue to convert and continue to show people the benefits and how their lives can be enriched is, you know, one of the most satisfying things that you can possibly do in your lifetime, I think, is to try to influence people in a positive way and to enrich not just your own life, but others. You're listening to Yarra Bosque User Group Radio and Community Radio 3CR. And that was a fairly long-ranging, or I should say wide-ranging interview I did with Sarah M about her role as the Bicycle Mayor of Sydney and her tour of uh, London, Paris, Amsterdam and Copenhagen and uh, lessons we can learn in Australia and uh, some, some surprising similarities about uh, what sort of uh, culture you have in your uh, in your city kind of designates how much modal share you get and how people um, behave. Very interesting stuff. Anyway, a bit of our own news for Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. You might remember that uh, during June, I'll start that again, too many things that sound like ometopia there. During June, um, we had uh, Radiothon. And guess what? We've made our target. So thank you, everybody who subscribed or donated to Yarra Bicycle User Group Radio. You wonderful people. And on that note, Please, if you listen to Yarra Bug uh, Radio and 3CR, we're kept on air by subscriptions and donations from our lovely listeners. So go to 3cr.org.au and look for the subscribe option and uh, make sure that you keep us on air. Okay, that's all I've got time for this week. Thank you to Sarah and also to Ella, Lou and Bobby <laughs> for, the, for the music today. And uh, up next, uh, we're going to be having jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.